Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Resilient Leaders Podcast, where resilience in leadership is not simply a good idea, it's required. I'm J.R. Briggs, and thanks to many of you who have left a review of this podcast. I'm deeply grateful. If you haven't done so, would you do me a 45-second favor? Would you please leave a review? It helps us to spread the word to other leaders to enjoy this podcast. Now, have you ever wondered, what's the difference between a good leader and a great leader? I've wrestled with this question for the past several years, trying to notice what the difference is between these kinds of leaders. And over the past few years, I've tried to boil it down to what I believe are six factors. That's what we're going to look at today, the six differentiating factors between good leaders and great leaders. Are you ready? Here we go. Let me give them all to you at once, and then we'll unpack one uh, each one as we go. The first, number one, the mindset you have. Number two, the people you surround yourself with. Three, the habits you possess. Four, the questions you ask of yourself and of others. Five, the posture of anticipation. And six, the institutions you have committed yourself to. Now let's unpack each one of those one by one. First, your mindset. We've talked about mindset in a previous episode, episode 14 of this podcast. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I recommend you do so because the idea of mindset is the single greatest determinant of resiliency in a leader. So I want to ask you a question as it relates to mindset. Do you have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset? And how can you grow to possess more of a growth mindset in the days ahead? Because great leaders have a growth mindset. Number two, the people you surround yourself with. Studies show that you will become like the five people that you spend the most time with. In fact, the book of Proverbs talks about how the wise walk with other wise people. The advice that I share with my sons often is this. I say, you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I mentioned before that I'm often asking myself, where can I be the dumbest person in the room and how do I get into those rooms? They are amazing places of learning, growth, wisdom, and experience. They stretch me. I'm out of my comfort zone, but that's where I grow. By the way, these types of rooms can be literal rooms or they can be metaphorical rooms. And that's why I love reading. The authors you spend time with also will shape you and determine the difference between a good leader and a great leader. You've probably heard the adage, leaders are readers. Uh, let me be honest with you. I've never met an effective leader over time that wasn't also a regular reader. If you're a reader, sorry, if you're a leader and you say, well, I just don't read. I don't like reading. Let me say this as politely, but as directly as I possibly can. Start reading now. Learn to like it. It is part of your responsibility, your calling, your job description as a leader. Reading is where we learn. And conversely, it is intoxicating for leaders who over time, where they are always the smartest person in the room, that power where the leader is always the smartest one in the room can easily become corrupted and dangerous. Leader, leaders, if you are always the most powerful person in the room, you need to be in different rooms. 
You need accountability, challenge. You need people to push you and your ideas to appropriately challenge you to think and lead and serve and be better. So let me ask you this question. So who do you have around you and are they better than you? And are they making you better as a person and as a human? Number three, the habits you possess. Tim Ferriss said, if more information was the answer, then we would all be billionaires with perfect abs. It's not just what we know as a leader. It's what we do. Leaders are paid to act, to make decisions, and our habits help to inform the decisions and the actions that we make. Oh man, I love this idea. This idea of habits is so good that it's worth its own separate episode, which I think we'll do in the future. This is incredibly important. I've done a lot of reading on this topic. Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, James Clear's book, the Atomic Habits and B.J. Fogg's book, Tiny Habits, are all great books on this topic that I would highly recommend. You have habits, good and bad, big and small, but I agree with B.J. Fogg's idea of tiny habits. Each habit is actually a series, a cluster of many habits that make up more, a, a more noticeable habit. Steve Jobs wore the same thing every day long black sleeve t-shirt and jeans. Why? Because he didn't want to waste important time and energy each morning thinking about what he would wear each day. Obama, when he was the president, did the same thing. He wore only dark suits when he was in office because he had other things that he wanted to focus his mental time and energy on as president. Now, a habit I have is that I like to swim and I swim at the Y three mornings a week. But there are so many habits that go into that habit of swimming in order for that to occur. The micro habits I'm involved in around that habit are this. The night before, I pack my gym bag with my swimsuit, my towel, my goggles, and change of clothes. I lay out keys and my water bottle at the counter right by the back door. I go to bed a little bit earlier than normal. I set the alarm on my phone across the room so that when the alarm rings early, I won't be tempted to hit the snooze button and roll over. All of these make up a constellation of micro habits that result in the habit of me swimming three days a week. I want to ask you questions about your habits. What are your daily habits, good or bad, big or small? Most people have about 30 to 50, sometimes more, daily habits that you do without thinking much about them. Do you know what your daily habits are? Go through your day and write them all down. Are these habits helping you to be the kind of leader and the kind of person that you believe you're called to be? And what are the three most limiting habits in your life that are keeping you from doing what you know you should be or shouldn't be doing? Number four, the questions you ask of yourself and others. Now, this is another one of those topics that deserves its own episode. I am passionate about this idea of leaders asking better questions. In fact, my doctoral dissertation was on equipping leaders how to ask better questions. I've also written a very small, whimsical, and accessible book on the idea called Why Ask Questions, and I'll put the link in the show notes if you're interested. The quality and the quantity of your questions will have a direct impact on the type of person and leader you become. Let me say that again. The quality and the quantity of your questions will have a direct impact on the type of person and leader you become. The questions you ask of God, yourself, and others, and also the world. So what questions are you asking God these days? What questions are you asking of yourself? Can you name them and identify them? What's behind them? What questions are you asking of others or even on behalf of others? And what questions are you asking about the world we live in? 
With the new reality, we're all asking more questions and more significant questions than ever before. Can you name those questions that you hold? Are you wrestling with those questions both by yourself and with others? I could ask more, but let's keep moving. Number five, a posture of anticipation. I first heard this concept of anticipatory leadership from Craig Rochelle on the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. In one of his episodes, he talked at length about this, and he said the difference between a good leader and a great leader, one learns to anticipate rather than react. It reminds me of what the famous race car driver Mario Andretti said, don't look at the wall, your car goes where your eyes go. It also reminds me of the legendary hockey player Wayne Gretzky, who said, I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it has been. Crochelle said that to be an anticipatory leader, we need to do three things. We need to solve problems before they become big problems. We need to see the potential others overlook, and we need to not be afraid of the future. Instead, we need to create it. And lastly, number six, the number six factor, the institutions that we commit ourselves to. Here are some recognized institutions in our culture, marriage, family, church, schools, government, nonprofits, civic organizations, all of these shape us. We can help shape them, but they also shape us more than we think. Now, we live in an era where the culture is trusting institutions less and less every day. Think about the low level of trust that people have in government and politicians right now, or churches and pastors. People are rethinking higher education right now like never before. Divorce is high. Participation in civic organizations such as the Elks Club or Kiwanis or the JCs is at an all-time low. But these are containers of culture. These are the pillars under which we stand. Being a part of movements is much sexier than institutions these days because people like movements. They're fluid and they change. But institutions tell us a story of who we are, where we've been. We can change institutions, but they take much longer and oftentimes require more effort with more people over a longer period of time. But if we simply quit all institutions, there's no way for leaders to live like that. Yes, some institutions, many institutions need reform and change, no doubt. But institutions create partnerships. They instill a sense of commitment to things larger and older than us. And they remind us that we're not the center of our own worlds. Again, what's the difference between good leaders and great leaders? The mindset you have, the people you surround yourself with, the habits you possess, the questions you ask of yourself and others, the posture of anticipation, and the institutions that you choose to commit yourselves to. I've put additional resources in the show notes for you to check out if you want to go further with this important topic. But thank you for joining me today. I work with leaders all over the country who want to get better in their leadership. If you want to grow and you need someone to support, encourage, challenge, and resource you, if so, let's talk. I'd be glad to help. This podcast is produced by the wildly creative Joel Limbowen at On A Limb Productions. Visit onalimproductions.com for all of your video and podcast needs. Leaders, be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Keep leaning in and learning.